Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to our beautiful, loving church on this beautiful but cool day. Go out, dress warm, and enjoy it. Please join with the responsive call to worship found in your bulletin. Thank you, God, for the gift of life and for the love you give us that we are able to share today. And thank you for our ever-revealing gifts of hope, encouragement, strength, healing, and fresh possibilities, the tools for our life. With the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, as we begin our new year together, may we take these gifts and use them to our fullest potential. In our worship and in our life, may you be with us every step on our journey and guide us in our actions to speak the words we need to hear and to let your spirit change us, charge us, and empower us to be your people of both courage, faith, justice, love, and life. It is with this spirit that we come to worship Please join with me in prayer. God of all people, all places, and all time, with grateful and renewed hearts and minds, we cherish this time that brings us together from our individual and separate lives, together as one spirit and as one body, to celebrate your presence in us and among us with your peace, your strength, your guidance, your healing, and your joy as individuals and as a community. May you continue to draw us together, strengthen, and empower us by your love. And you lift us and challenge us. And may you continue to bless us that together we may experience the vitality and joy of doing your will and bringing your ideal kingdom here on earth. All this we pray together as we say that which Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. again. So good to be together. Um, and this is, um, Laura and I were away last week, so this is our first Sunday back for the new year, so I'm going to be able to say, Happy New Year. Thank you. It's, uh, and that's probably about the last time we're going to be saying that, because we've been saying that for, you know, I, I can't believe that, that uh, New Year's Day was only, was only a week ago. Um, today is, uh, we're celebrating Epiphany Sunday. The day of Epiphany is, was actually on Friday, a couple days ago. And um, it's also known as Three Kings Day, the 12th day of Christmas. So we have, still have our Christmas tree up um, for the last Sunday uh, until next year. So let's enjoy that. 
Uh, I'm going to have a couple of announcements to share, and as I do, let me invite you all to take your friendship registers that you'll find in the center and outside aisles of your pews, and if you just want to take that and sign that and pass that along um, to your neighbor, that would be terrific. You can pay attention to some names and faces if you are a visitor. Um, welcome, welcome, and um, if you would like to be in touch with what we are doing, then please share your contact information and we can uh, send you emails and so forth. I want to thank Les Miller uh, and the deacons for leading worship. Les was preaching last Sunday and, um, and the deacons were assisting, so I thank them very, very much for that. Um, as you read your bulletins very carefully for, for details, I'm just going to share some overviews of a couple of things that are coming up, some wonderful things. Starting next Sunday, we have a second hour um, program, uh, it's a little series, that is going to be in our church library after church, and that's going to be led by Dave Stewart and Julianne Center, who are our two Yale Divinity School students, and they're going to be sharing their studies, their insights from Yale Divinity School. And um, there is going to be, let's see, pizza night and trivia night. Um, that's going to be a week from, I think it's a week from this Saturday, on the 21st, so you can read details about that. That's going to be a great time, just a, a time to be together and have fun. Um, there's going to be a time to equip parents, um, very, very important, uh, especially these days, to, we are partnering with Inspire to bring you a Parent Connect class. Um, you can check out those details. That's going to be on five different days, January 19th, 26th, February 2nd, 9th, and 16th. Um, and um, check that out. It's good for everybody, good for parents. I think it would be good for grandparents um, to be able to support and, uh, and learn some extra tools that we need. Um, we have a sign-up sheet in Fellowship Hall behind me for St. George's, um, they're not calling it a soup kitchen anymore, Community Suppers. St. George's Community Suppers that we share one time a month. Um, that's in Bridgeport at St. George's Church. Um, and we need, we need help. We would like to invite you to volunteer to come and prepare and, um, and, and share a meal with those who are in need. Um, and go back and sign up, and it's a great way to team up and kind of pair up with some people and get to know some people and so forth and serve at the same time. I also want to thank you um, and thank everybody in our congregation. I'm aware we're being live streamed too, so thank everyone who donated to our Christmas Eve offering for the Medeiros House, um, which is for uh, women uh, homeless veterans and their, and their children. Uh, so important, so beautiful, and obviously you were touched very, very deeply because um, the contributions that came as a result of that were the most um, ever for Christmas Eve. Um, and so thank you and God bless you, and that's going to go and help and warm their hearts and their lives and their, their tummies and, and everything. Um, and uh, kind of along the lines of giving, I'm going to invite... John Trainer up now. Um, John Trainer has uh, has a few words to share with us. I, I was saying to John as a, as a as he's walking forward, I was saying to him as I came in, I passed by, and I said I was thinking of you um, this morning with a story of Zacchaeus, and John is of tall stature, and you'll see why a little bit later in the service. <laughs> why I was thinking of John. John, here you are. <laughs> Thank you. You always have to be careful when Paul says something like that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be listening very carefully this morning. Um, number one, good morning. And uh, I've been asked to talk to you very, very briefly uh, about stewardship and the stewardship pledge. And I know most of you have probably already done that, but just to talk to you about why it's important to, uh, to Katie, my wife Katie and I, uh, as we sit down each year and think about our pledge. And what I'd like you to do is just think about, think about last week, think about the last several weeks. They have been a crazy blur of parties and celebrations and travel. Uh, some of us have probably got, had to get back to work after vacations. 
But what's, what's interesting is that all of us, people that are joining us uh, through the video link and here in the chapel, all decided that for this one hour, let's shut out the craziness that's all around us and make sure that we're all here, that we all come together as a church, as a family. Now, some of us are here to hear the words of Paul, Laura, Julianne, Les, and Dave. I mean, that, that wisdom is wonderful. To hear the choir, their wonderful voices. Some of us are here for the cookies and fellowship hour. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We're not casting any, any judgments. But what I'd like you to think about also, it, it's a, a conversation that I had with a friend recently who's very, very active in mission. She's on a, a number of different boards and, and just a, a, a dynamo, a dynamo in, in, in our town. So we were talking about some of the activities that she's involved with, and I, I just happened to say, oh boy, you know, I, I think Southport Congregational, you know, my church is involved in that also. She stopped. She said, you're a member of, of Southport Congregational? We had, we had never discussed this. And I said, yes. She said, oh, you must know Sherry Greer, who's our chair of missions. You know, must know this person, this person. Oh, and, and you're, you're so active in, in this, you know, giving in this area and that area. And I had to, I'll be honest with you, I had to act as if I, I knew about all of the many activities that we're involved with. But as we, as we talked, I realized one thing, that Southport Congregational, there are so many activities that we're all involved with. This, this, this hour together, but youth group and men's and women's group and all the different things that we're involved with. But as I talked with her, I realized Southport Congregational is much more than all of these activities. And the activities are great, all the activities Paul just talked about. Southport Congregational, in her eyes, and I realize this, defines every one of us. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. We've all chosen to be here. I mean, one of the reasons that Katie and I chose Southport Congregational, I was on the board of the, the Council of Churches, and I was always amazed. You know, this little church seemed to be involved in everything. What's going on there? So we, we, we joined and we, we, we said, let's, let's figure out what, what's going on there. Well, this conversation that I had really helped crystallize for me, though, that it's not a lot of activities. That when we're thinking about our stewardship pledge, it's not just supporting all of the activities. It's really supporting who we are, what's important to us, what's important to our families. So... You know, as you, as you think about your pledges, what I'd love you to do is think about that. Think about the, the bigger, the definition of who we are, as you know. You know, as a church, as a church family, we've all decided that we're going to increase that mission budget this year because it's important to the church. It's important to us. It's a statement of who we are. So I'll, I'll end there, but, you know, as, as Katie and I, you know, get together and we think about Southport Congregational, we really remember that it's not just activities, it's really who we are, and it's, it, it's, it's an expression of what's important to us. So, thank you very much. Thank you, John. And at this time, I would welcome all of the children to come on forward. over here. This is perfect. Coming from the north, coming from the south, coming from the east, coming from the west, which makes me think about traveling. Have any of you ever traveled anywhere? You have. When you're getting ready to travel, what do you need to do? You need to pack some clothes. What else do you need to do? You need to make sure you have money. That's a good one for the plane and everything else, right? What else, Jack? You need to make sure you have your passport. 
You need, if you're going out of the country, got to have that passport. What else? Ah, uh, thank you. You need to know where you're going, right? If you have your passport and your money and your plane flight and your clothes and you don't know where you're going, that's not going to be a very fun trip, okay? Our children, so tech-savvy, check online to make sure your flight hasn't been canceled, because it probably has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you book the plane, you should know which one you're choosing and where you're going. Yes, that would be good. So in the olden days, the way that we knew where we were going was through this item that I have here in my bag called, who knows? Oh, oh, I wish I'd thought of a compass. That, a what? A map. So, believe it or not, if I wanted to go to Switzerland, which I always do, because it's the most gorgeous country. Um, I want to go to Switzerland. I used to have to, everyone remember these? We used to have to use this. If we wanted to go from here, to here, we had to figure out which road we were going to travel on. And then someone in the car had to have this map and say, okay, take a right on to uh, 23. No, 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 a left on to 23. It was a very exciting, very exciting times. Made for great marriage relationships a lot of the time. So luckily, maps got better. Now, when Mr. Whitmore and I rode our bicycles across country, we used maps like this. There are 19 of them that helped us get across the country. These were a little easier because they were broken up by individual sections. And it told us some really interesting things as well. It told us when there were big hills ahead. It told us where there was camping site. It told us specifically the amount of time we had to bike on a road before we had to make a turn. So these were very helpful, but still a little awkward because, right, you're riding a bike, and I actually had to have the map. I was the navigator. Well, I probably don't have to tell anyone why that might be, but I was the navigator. And so I would have the directions on my bike, and I'd read them as we go along. And yes, twice I made some uh, mistake. But um, I have to admit that, otherwise I'll show up in a sermon in a couple weeks. <laughs> then people got even smarter, and they created things called travel books. And a travel book like this, this one is to Israel, this not only tells us how to get there, but it tells us details about exactly what we're going to see. And so people use travel books. So I was thinking about all of this, and I was thinking about what today is, and what did Paul say today is? Who remembers what that word was? He said, today we're celebrating. Mm, he did say that, and then right after that, it was, it's a big word. It's a weird word. Yes, that one. Whisper it louder. Epiphany. 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 Say it. Epiphany. It's kind of fun to say. Epiphany. Epiphany marks the day that we celebrate that the Magi came to see the child Jesus. Now, what map did the wise men use? A star. Can you imagine if your family has planned a trip to the BVI's and you have to get there by star? Hmm, kind of difficult. But these men were very special men. These men that traveled, they studied the stars. They knew about stars. They knew about planets. They knew about scripture. And they were always watching the stars to see if God was doing something extraordinary. And when that star appeared, they knew because they knew they were well-versed in their Bible, in their scripture. They knew that that meant something very special had happened. So they embarked on a journey. Now, in the pageant, when do the wise men arrive to Jesus? Right after he was born. He's a baby in a manger. It's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us actually he was a child living in a house. So 
with other parts of the story, we actually hear that he was about three years old when the, when the wise men arrived, which makes sense because they're traveling thousands of miles on camel, right, and walking. So it took them like three years to get there. So traveling by star is one way to find your way and to understand what God's doing. But what did I say that those wise men had to, had to study? Stars and their what? Scripture. So this is your best source of directions ever for your life. What is it? Your Bible. Inside your Bible are all the directions you need to live a happy, healthy, loving, sharing, caring, joyful life. How many people want that? Right? That's a pretty darn good life to live. And how to do it is in your Bible. So like the Magi, you have a responsibility. You have something you have to do. What is it that you have to do to understand how to do that? you got to read the Bible. You all have one, right? So your challenge this week is to read something in your Bible that gives you an idea of how to live your life. And next week when we're together, I want you to tell me what you found. Okay? All right, can you do that? Let's say a prayer together. Dear God, thank you for giving us a map for our lives. Help us to read our Bible, to love you, and to open our eyes so we can see what direction you want us to go in. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you are in kindergarten through fifth grade, you're going to the chapel with Sydney King. If you're in middle school, you're going to the youth room with Mrs. Ogunshui. And if you're not in kindergarten yet, you're going to room five for fun and games. Want me to help you?
seated. As we shift our focus now to a time of prayer and reflection and quiet, uh, we have a number of people we would like to ask you to keep in your prayers today. First, and I'm gonna categorize them. <laughs> First, with very severe back problems, we have both Eleanor Biggs and Susan Kunkel. So we ask for your prayers for both of them, that their medical teams find the healing that they need and um, so they can get back to their very busy and very giving lives. Uh, Lily Madison, who's one of our college students, um, had surgery on her knee this past week, so we pray for her recovery. Uh, Lily was um, a star on her freshman year at the Hunter College volleyball team, leading them to the uh, championship um, season, so everybody uh, prays for Lily's speedy and healthy recovery. Uh, we had a number of church people down with COVID, so we offer our prayers and love and a speedy recovery for them. Mary Martha Schertz is recovering from hip surgery and Parker Rogers is also recovering from surgery. So we add our prayers for healing and, um, and kind of you know, a little patience after you have surgery, it takes a little while. So we have to just take the time to um, rest and relax after those. We also had a, a couple of church family members who lost uh, people to death in the last couple of weeks. So we offer our prayers to Allison Vadas and her family on the death of her mother and to Sherry and Hank Greer who um, had a nephew die unexpectedly. Um, also prayers for uh, his mother. Uh, their nephew's name is David. Uh, uh, Sherry's sister is Jackie and her husband Dan. Um, on the death of their son, and we pray for peace and strength in these days ahead. We also um, ask your prayers for those in our congregation who are receiving treatments for cancers. So with those prayers, and then the prayers that are deep within your own hearts, let's take this moment to lift them all to God. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for this beautiful world, for this beautiful new year, and for this sacred time to gather together in your name. We know, God, that you have created us in your image of love, and we have witnessed your forgiving, abundant, and grace-filled love. So help us to remember every hour of every day of this new year that we are the embodiments of that same love. And in that spirit of love, help us to make it a goal for this year to live forgiving, abundant, and grace-filled lives. This morning, God, we join our voices with all the prayers of the people of your world, praying for peace to come to your creation. We pray for all people and all nations that we may somehow overcome our humanity and our desires to conquer and possess and become more Christ-like and treat each other with compassion and understanding, with love and forgiveness, and to stretch out our hand to help our neighbor. Because our neighbors need our help, God, and so at this moment, we pray for those who have to flee from violence, that they may find a home. We pray for those who are hungry and starving, that they may find nourishment. We pray for those caught in storms and other disasters, that they may find peace and comfort. Create in all of us, God, a passion for serving you, for serving our neighbors, for having respect for others, stopping our words of hatred and blame, opening our ears to different points of view, and understanding that there is much we do not know 
and there is always so much more for us to learn. So God, give us the willingness to be your agents of peace and justice, healing and unity, which our world so desperately needs. And for those who are suffering silently, for those who are lonely and alienated, who are battling disease and, no, and those who have troubles known only to them, we pray to you now, especially for them, to ease their minds and to give them peace, to ease their hearts and fill them with love. All these prayers we give to you now, knowing that you hear us and you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maya Angelou once wrote, I learned that I can be a giver in many ways. I learned that I could be a giver by simply bringing a smile to another person. The ensuing years have taught me that kind word, a vote of support, is a charitable gift. I can move over and make another place for someone else. And while I may never be known as a philanthropist, I am certainly a lover of humankind, and so I will give freely of my resources. In this spirit, our morning's offering will be received, shared with others.
Join me in the unison prayer of dedication. Receive these gifts, O God, as expressions of our gratitude and loving devotion. May they be used to multiply your love among us and all people. Amen. Scripture reading this morning is about an encounter between um, Jesus and a man named Zacchaeus. And um, if you've ever seen this story illustrated in a, in a children's Bible, um, it usually shows Zacchaeus as um, short, which it describes, um, overweight for some reason, and, uh, and kind of this jolly man. But that would be very far from the truth. The short part, yes. That's why I was thinking about John Trainer. <laughs> Wondering how the narrative would have changed if it was that. But because he was a tax collector, think of someone closer to like bail bondsman kind of a guy. Tax collectors then were kind of like legalized thugs for the Roman government they would shake down citizens for taxes. So jolly? No. <laughs> you had to be tough. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which means that he was overseeing the tough guys. And as long as the government got their due, if the tax collectors were able to get more, skim off, so be it. So that's why he was also rich, as it says, and hated. So with that, let's read our scripture passage together from Luke 19. <clears throat> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. And a man was there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because Jesus was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. But all who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. May God bless our hearing, our living of this word of abundant life. Amen. So when I was a kid, I used to love to pour through every page of the Sears catalog. That's kind of along the lines of maps, right? Some of you may not even know a Sears catalog. <clears throat> Sears catalogs, um, I, I, you know, I, I did this too. I, I realized this morning as I was thinking about this, why did I do that? And I thought, well, cell phones hadn't been invented yet, right? So you could look through a Sears catalog and they had everything, everything. My gosh, they had clothes. Remember the Sansa belt stretch elastic waist pants? 
Thank God I never had a pair of those, but now they call this loungewear, right? <laughs> they had to toys. They had tools of every kind. They had lawnmowers, everything from car tires to candy. But as a kid, I was amazed and I was amused at this. I was also confused. I was confused at the same time because as I would flip through, I would see on some pages, sometimes they would have three of the same thing. And one was labeled good, one was labeled better, and one was labeled best. Best, right? And they would be selling each one of these things. And it could be a post hole digger, three choices, good, better, best. Tire pump, three choices, good, better, best. I was intrigued, I was baffled by this as a kid because I was thinking I couldn't wrap my mind around why would anyone come right out and advertise that they're offering something that's less than their very best? I didn't get it. I mean, could you imagine if you went into a restaurant? You go, sit down, you go, I would like veal parmesan, please. And they would say, sure. Would you like our good, better, or best? You're about to have surgery, the surgeon says to you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a sermon, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see what we're going to get today. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the thing At what level of life do you want to live? Good, better, or best? I knew a guy, Laura and I actually knew this same guy, whose motto was, why reach for the stars when you can touch the ceiling? <laughs> we were distant acquaintances. We did not hang out together, really. But all this makes me think about five things. New Year's, Christmas Eve, Zacchaeus, our faith, and most of all, life. So let's start with Christmas Eve. <clears throat> On Christmas Eve, towards the end of the service, Laura and I and, and the deacons, we get to stand right there. And we get to look out on your faces, a sea of faces, as we're lighting candles during silent night. And the music is playing softly and we're surrounded by this beauty, except at nighttime. And there are hundreds of candles lit in the sanctuary, and we have the Christmas tree and the greenery and the poinsettias, and it's just beautiful. We're sitting there, maybe with our families, definitely with our church family. And I get to look out and see your beautiful faces, and I see this warm glow. I see goodness, I see love. At that moment, everything is okay. And at that moment, every year I can see you soaking that in. And it's sanctuary. It's oasis. And it's a beautiful state of being. It's an ideal state of being. So there's good, better, and then there's best. And I think about that, and I, I, I think that a lot of people would be able to access that kind of state and being, to be able to step into that more often than just once a year. Like, how about if you were able to step into that at the end of a bad day? Horrible day, you go, ah. 
or maybe even in the midst of a bad day if you get really good at it. Or how about when the kids or your boss or the state of the world just gets to be too much? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to slip into that kind of warm glow of well-being where you are at one, at one moment, when all is right, and it's a state of equanimity, well-being for all. And that, of course, is what our faith is about. Our faith is about how to get there and how to stay there, and how to help others along so that they can get there and they can stay there. And that happens through our decisions and through our actions. Because it's hard to get there and stay there if you're wrestling with basic needs, isn't it? So we taste some of this on Christmas Eve. And our faith wants to be able to provide this all the time. And this is part of what the word salvation means. Being in this state of at-oneness with God and at one with yourself and at one with those with whom you are in relationship and at one with the world. It's a state of reconciliation coming together. Equanimity. Salvation. Atonement. And you know, when you take that word, atonement, and you, and you stretch it out, that word atonement becomes what? Becomes at one meant at one meant not fighting with yourself being reconciled with your own soul with others and with god so when jesus said to zacchaeus in our scripture passage this person who was a pretty nasty guy but something changed he said, salvation has come to your house, or to this house, following his rapid transformation. Zacchaeus had become reconciled through what was going on with him and through the commitment that he made, saying, I'm going to do this, which was very radical. He became reconciled with God, with his own soul, and with those with whom he was in relationship. Now, it's interesting because you look at that word salvation, and a lot of times we think of it as a, as a theological, you know, dogmatic, doctrinal, you know, doctrinal, something like that. Something that, like, Jesus is doing to you. Me and God, you know, I'm saved. Instead of this being some kind of a metaphysical granting by Jesus of some cosmic blessing upon Zacchaeus, Jesus was more recognizing at that moment what happened. Oh, <laughs> it'll be okay. It'll be okay. There you go. And with that, it's okay. Um, so Jesus is really recognizing what happened instead of conferring something. He recognizes what happened through this process that brought atonement at one meant to Zacchaeus in all these ways, where as a result, salvation, the sought-after sense of being in right relationship, as Buddhism calls it, being at one, this occurred, and it occurred as a result of the many steps and many actions that Zacchaeus took in relationship with Jesus. And in doing this, he, in fact, created peace with others. 
himself and his own soul. He turned instantly from being a rotten person, as we talked about, to having this sudden kind of awareness. And the transformational moment of this was <clears throat> at the moment when his warm heart and his glow that we all love to experience, which is actually pretty easy to get for a few moments. But when that was married with actions to maintain it. And that's the secret. Commitment to his actions. With that, he was no longer divided with himself or with other people. As a result, he rectified his wrongs. At one moment, happened. Good, better, best. And then with what happened to him, there was a whole nother level called renewal. And this is what the scripture is about. Interchange occurring. The process of seeking, inviting wholeness, inviting Christ into his home, literally and figuratively, putting in the effort, the action, receiving, experiencing that glow, locking that in, following up with the actions. When all these ways come together, the spiritual, emotional, material, psychological, metaphysical, combined with social action, justice, when it all comes together with God's presence, that's salvation. It's good. It's very good. And because this is so central to our faith and to our being, because there were actually so many steps involved in this, even though it kind of seems like it happens really fast, through this rapid process, when we, when we take it apart, there's a lot that we can learn. And because of all this, and because it's 11 o'clock, <laughs> We're going to continue this next week. <laughs> and we're going to be taking a closer look, frame by frame, at this process unfolding to see how to apply this to our own lives. May you be well <laughs> to be continued. Amen. As we go out into this beautiful world that God has created with its chills and with its heat and with its sunshine and darkness and sun and moon and, and all of it, with our lives 
that includes joys and sorrows and struggles and triumphs. May we go out embracing and squarely in the midst of all of it, receiving God's love, receiving God's strength, receiving God's good courage, receiving God's light, and then being beacons of that light and courage and strength and uplift in all we meet. This is our new life. This is our gift from God forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.